Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast with host Elizabeth Myers, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook. Tune in weekly to learn how to have a winning life by building a strong spirit, soul, and body. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. We are so glad that you are here joining us today. We love to talk about how to win at life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. And my guest today is Connie Baker. She is an author of the book, um, Stay On, Build Resilience and Thrive While Facing Cancer, although her lessons apply to anybody facing anything. So um, I'm really excited to hear what she has to share. And she has a bunch of other experience in uh, the medical field and working with children and even the the builder of the pain scale of the, the faces from one to 10 that you see a lot. So thank you so much, Connie, for joining us. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be with you, Elizabeth. Thank you for the opportunity to to speak to your audience. Yeah, it sounds like you've been in a lot of places, done a lot of things, had a lot of adventures. I have, and I'm grateful for yes. all of them, even the good, the even the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us about your story where you learned about resilience. Well, I I would say, um, I, you know, I grew up in a strong Christian family, a, a real authentic Christian family, and I had a a strong faith. But one, one thing that I discovered uh, as an adult is that I, I didn't regulate my um, response to stressful situations very well. And it, that started being evident in my body. And I had various illnesses that were really stress related. And so um, it was in 2009 that I began, I was going through a very difficult time in my life. And um, the most difficult time I've ever had. And I learned about uh, HeartMath, which is a program that helps build resilience and coherence. There's very simple techniques, and I can share one of them with you if you'd like later on. It's really easy. Okay. But that began, that was transformative for me because I began changing the way I responded to life. And I became became well and um and was able to make decisions based on my heart intuition and my relationship with God. And, um, and then um, the big thing that happened was for me was in 2017 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when that happened, and I, I kind of knew about it before I was actually diagnosed, but when it happened, I knew that I already had the tools and techniques that I needed to get through it. I never had a why me moment. I never, um, there was only one time when things went kind of sideways that I got scared. But the whole time I felt like I had what I needed to be resilient and make it through that. And in fact, it it was a wonderful experience for me, which is amazing to be able to say through cancer treatment. And I think, um, you know, the, the, whether it's cancer or divorce or, you know, a death of a child, whatever it is, we all need resilience and never more than this year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like this week, everything mm-hmm. is, um, it looks like the wheels are coming off in a lot of places. And the only thing that we can be responsible for is our own response to those situations. And how can we do that in a way that helps us be stronger day mm-hmm. by day? But I, I've never grown or learned a lot when things were easy. True. It was always when things were hard, right? Yeah. So when it happens, we don't have to sit around and go, oh, why me? No, you Mm -hmm. say, this is a fantastic opportunity. What am I going to learn here? 
Yeah. And I think we, we understand that in other contexts, like if you're building muscle, you have to break down the muscle first, you know, right. exercise and do things that are painful. Or, you know, I often use the example of an obstacle course in military training. You know, what would the obstacle course be without the obstacles? I mean, like the whole point is for you to gain exactly. skill and endurance and confidence. And God puts us through those kind of like obstacle courses in life. Mm -hmm. um, too. I've been so grateful for what I learned about resilience through my own past depression uh, this year. As you said, we've all been under tremendous uh, mental stress and pressure. And um, I've really been able to better manage my tendency towards anxiety this year than I would have had I not been through other things in the past where I learned from. So mm -hmm. I, I'm glad to hear you confirm that that resilience can kind of be cumulative and you can take what you learned in one challenge on to the next challenge. Uh, it actually changes our neurotransmitters mm. in our brain. You know, yeah. it, it really, um, I love when I learned that when I spend time in prayer or mindfulness or meditation, any of those things, that what happens actually to my brain is that it begins to synchronize and organize and get back to the way it was designed. Mm -hmm. And the energy then goes to our limbic system, for instance, and that is what controls our autonomic nervous system, which is what makes us breathe and our heart mm -hmm. beat and our organs working and all of those kind of things. And when we allow that place to be simple and, and at peace, then our body heals mm. and we heal and we're in touch with our heart and, and um, able to make decisions that we can count on. Yeah. It's amazing how God has crafted us so amazingly that we can, we do ha possess some ability to self heal under the right circumstances. But I, I know exactly what you're saying. There've been so many times where I felt like I just need a reset button, like is on my phone, you know, when your phone starts <laughs> wigging out and we you can just reset it. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I wish I could do that to myself sometimes. Cause I just, I get wonky in one area and I try to fix it and then I get more wonky and but I would love to hear your your techniques and tactics for reducing stress. I know I've I've had a lot of pain in my upper body recently, and everybody says, "Oh yeah, a lot of people carry their stress and tension there." And that's just you know they it's just like that's a fact of life, and they dismiss it. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me how to carry it somewhere else or drop it. Right? <laughs> how about if I don't carry it at all? Exactly. All right. So tell us what okay. you learned about so, that. So this is this is what I learned through Heart Math, and um, it's called Heart as in the heart and math, and it's kind of a difficult name to understand. But anyway, um, they're great techniques and and they're really simple. And when I first learned them, I was going through, as I said, a difficult time. And I felt like there was an elephant on my chest. That's where I, I felt it. Mm -hmm. And I told my coach in heart math that I was um, I, about the elephant on my chest. And she said, well, let me tell you, teach you a technique. And I was expecting her to bring out some ninja heart math technique that was going to just blow me away. And yeah. she didn't. And I was really disappointed. And so we went through this technique. And the first time we did it, I said, I didn't feel anything. And she said, well, let's do it again. And I was, again, so disappointed. And thought maybe she didn't understand how serious this was. And I did it again. And the elephant left and has not returned. And that was in 2009. Wow. So it reminds me of the karate kid, like, yeah. like this is useless, that's but right. it was actually serving a function. That's right. That's right. So that's what this is. Okay. So, so don't think it's, it's not a big deal because it is. And I do this almost every day. Um, so here's what we do. And, and you all can do this with me. You can 
uh, close your eyes if you'd like, or just lower them if you're driving, let's leave them open. Um, and just focus your, your breathing on the area around your heart. And just slow your breathing down just a little bit. You might wanna breathe in to the count of five, and then out the count of five. Keeping the focus on the area around your heart, as if you're breathing through your heart. You're not, but as if you are. Just slowing it down a little bit. And now I want you to do make every effort to create a regenerative feeling. So think of something that makes you feel really joyful or at ease. You might think about love or care or compassion. Any of those words, don't just think the word, don't just think the uh, experience, but really feel that experience while you're continuing to breathe in and out. And it's as simple as that. That's called the quick coherence technique. It's heart-focused breathing and heart-focused feeling. Those two things. Mm -hmm. And if you practice that for a few minutes every day, it changes the way your mind works. And you find that you start responding differently to the things that are going on in your life. Mm -hmm. And what I've also found though, is that we have habits that we've developed over the years that may not mm -hmm. serve us. So right. as we, as our mind begins to change and we become more resilient, more coherent, or like our, our bodies working together as it should, then we may have to look at some patterns that we have in our life that don't serve us anymore and, mm -hmm. and see how we can replace those that with patterns that are better for us. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I found super helpful is I realized there are so many thought patterns that I have that I've had so long, I don't even really think about them anymore. They just happen. Right. But but being able to take control of those, to question them and say, is that really what I believe? Is that really the truth? Is that really what I want to believe? And to realize that I'm the gatekeeper, that Absolutely. I can, just because I think something doesn't mean it's true, it doesn't mean it's a thought worth hanging on to. I can give it the boot and replace it with something better. Okay. And that has made a huge change. Just I don't know. It's not really subconscious because, you know, I think, but it's just in the background of my thoughts so much mm -hmm. as I go throughout my day, you know, it's just kind of one of those things I'm not actively thinking about, but when I do, when I bring it forward and really examine it and decide what I really want to think about that, that has been so helpful yeah. just to kind of reprogram <laughs> what's yeah, going on. between It's an intentional my practice, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, it's an intentional practice. And, yeah. and I think what we learn in our family of origin or however we do growing up, we, we may learn some patterns or they're just passed on from generation to gen mm -hmm. generation that are not, not good. But what I discovered, especially when I, when I was going through cancer treatment, is um, the practice of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And yep. I would wake up in the morning, and I still do. I wake up every morning thinking, oh, thank you for this incredible mm -hmm. bed. It's so comfortable. Yeah. And then thank you that I've got a, just around the corner, there's running water mm -hmm. and it's warm. And, you know, just the simple things, not 
you know, you don't have to necessarily be thankful for cancer, whatever mm-hmm. challenge you're going through, but be thankful. I, when I am filled with gratitude, there's no room for discontent. Mm-hmm. There's no room for anger, angst. There's, it, it's just, there's not space for it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happens when we focus on the area around our heart, when we're breathing, that's our focus. Mm-hmm. And then we're not thinking about all the other things. So, right. and that, yeah, that changes. It, uh, that's labeled like a heart exercise. And maybe this is just the way I'm looking at it, but to me, it sounds more like a mental exercise or, it is I both. mean, they're kind of all together, but exactly. No. And the, the whole, the key is getting the heart, the heart and the brain, the heart and the mind working together. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's what we want to have happen so that, that we are able to, you know, be fully present Mm-hmm. to the people around us, that we can fully listen to the people around us, that we can make decisions that are not impulsive or, you know, not grounded. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I learned something um, a couple of years ago. From, I think it was my counselor that told me, but um, when we have a, a very strong emotional reaction, like a kind of an over the top emotional reaction to something that's going on now, we're actually reacting to something unresolved that happened to us before. Uh-huh. And now that I've just been aware of that, I've noticed that myself in where I just have a really strong emotional reaction to something. And I don't even necessarily know why, but when I take the time to pause and think it over, I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm really still upset about something that happened eons ago that I don't even really think about anymore. But I guess that pain is back there and I just didn't realize it, but then you deal with that pain and then you can handle the present so right. much better. Right. Yeah. It triggers something in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yes, definitely. I'd love to hear just for curiosity's sake about the development of the the pain scale and how you use that to help children communicate and how that came about. Um, It's a good story. Um, I was fresh out of graduate school and um, in my master's program, I learned about working with children and their families in hospitals. And I became a child life specialist, which is a wonderful job. You get to play with children and mm-hmm. play is the way children work out their feelings and experiences. And so that's how I would prepare them for surgery or help them go through painful experiences. But it didn't take me very long to figure out that in 1981, children were not being medicated very much for pain. They weren't there. They weren't assessed for pain. They weren't asked about their pain. And so um, at that time, I was introduced to a woman named Donna Wong, who was the leading author in pediatric nursing. She was a legend. And we became fast friends like sisters. And she was was a great educator, wrote the textbooks for pediatric nursing. And um, she just poured into me. And we learned about pain assessment. There was not much about pain assessment in children in time. There was no internet. Um, and we just, you know, began talking and exploring how can we adapt what the adults are doing for children. And at the time, the numeric rating scale of zero to 10 was becoming popular, but we were concerned that younger children would have trouble with that if they didn't know their numbers. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we came up with the faces and I, I put the, um, six circles on a piece, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper about the size of quarters, six circles in a row, and had the kids make their own faces go. And we did that with about 50 kids. And, you know, they had, they had hair, they had colors, they had, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. 
And, um, but we got it down to what is now the faces scale and had an artist draw it, draw it. And it, you know, it starts with a smiling face. Mm -hmm. uh, that's because that's what the kids had. And then it ends with the tears and not everybody has to cry to when you're in the worst possible pain, but that's the way our scale works. So, mm -hmm. um, in 1983, it was first published, but now my website, uh, which is wallbakerfaces.org, um, it's used all in 170, over 170 countries. At least last year it was, uh, I had over 88,000 unique visitors from mm -hmm. over 170 countries. So, wow. um, it, we have it in 60 plus languages and mm -hmm. we're going to be um, providing uh, new scales coming out soon. So oh, stay okay. tuned. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's such, you know, on the surface, it seems like a simple tool, but I just, I'm inspired by how many children have been helped in reducing their pain because you took the time to analyze that and, and create that for them to give them a way to communicate something that they probably, you know, they weren't, they're not able to analyze or, or find words to put with it. Right. Um, you know, and, and when we created it, we thought it would be too juvenile for adolescents, for instance. So mm -hmm. we didn't, in our research, we didn't use very many adolescents, but it turned out that that was their favorite. And now it's used as much with adults as it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've seen it a bunch. <laughs> it's just, it, I, for me, it is a lesson and a constant lesson because this is not the way I like, I usually live my life. Simplicity works. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to make things complicated. Oh, I do but too. It, I overthink everything. <laughs> yeah, but it works. It, it, why do that? If, it, mm -hmm. if this works, then. Yeah. But, I, you know, even when I go to a, a doctor's office and they ask me that, it makes me kind of pause and assess because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm hurt. But I hadn't really thought about exactly what hurts or how much. I just know I'm in pain. But, it, you know, just being asked the question, it makes you kind of stop and go, OK, what, where is the problem in me? And I can even kind of extrapolate that then to emotional pain and other pain. You know, if we would take a, the time to pause and go, you know, how do I really feel? Because. Mm -hmm people always say, how are you doing? And we always say, fine. And we're not fine. <laughs> right. No. And, and our body knows that yeah. our body knows. So um, when we uh, are not authentic, then I think then we, that leads to health problems. Yeah. And so being able to be aware, and I, I mean, you've raised, you have eight children, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And you said you've just been to the dentist with seven <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah, incredible. There's Two are grown, six are at home. So yeah, we just got back from the dentist. So myself included, that was seven dental appointments altogether. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I'm sure the dental offices were closed. The Myers are coming. <laughs> yeah, they've been great. I We're a military family, so we move around a lot. But I always try to find a place where they can see as many kids as possible at once. Because we have been to smaller dentist office where they don't have enough hygienists. And we've had to come on two or three separate days. Sure. And that's rough. So <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, they they've been great, but um, the kids are like, can we get some of our school off? You know, they're trying to get out of school. I'm like, yeah. no, we, we went to the dentist instead of doing read alouds today. So you have the same amount of time you do every other day. So That's right. <laughs> they are they are back studying right Good now. <laughs> I got to homeschool yeah. for ten years. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. I've surprised at how much I learn. It's some days I think I learn more than they do because I have more of a context to put that into now going back through history and learning it as a story and how different things relate to each other rather than um, 
kind of just individual important dates or names, but just seeing, you know, how geography and science and art and all of it just ties together has been really enlightening to me. And I, I love it. That was my experience too. Like mm -hmm. I learned a lot. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. More than I did in school. Yeah. And we yeah. got to travel a lot too. So we'd read our read alouds, you know, we'd study the national parks and Mm -hmm. drive through the national parks and yeah that's always fun to go see we were uh, my husband was stationed at the pentagon for two years when we were doing american history so that worked out crazy handy, handy and yeah and there's so many you know free things to go see and do there and so we just had all kinds of field trips oh wow and, um, and then go down to williamsburg did you mm -hmm. do all that oh, yeah, yeah yeah and jamestown and all that i would love to like my dream vacation would someday be to go over to europe and see you know like Rome and you know all these places that we read about and see where these things actually happen mm -hmm. we've kind of done that somewhat in America but not elsewhere in the world so yeah oh fabulous yeah that, that would definitely be fun so what what are some tips or advice that you can share with people who are because as we mentioned at the outset this is just a hard time for a lot of people mm -hmm. and in addition to all the things that we're commonly struggling with in common together with world pandemic and and politics and drama and finances and everything everybody also still has their own personal challenges and things that are happening in their life on top of that right. so um what what can you say to help encourage people who are struggling with with dealing and processing with all these things well that's a great question and and it's it's true where if you're in the resilience building this is you have job security <laughs> the um I think the first thing I would say is, what is your practice? Where is your mind? What are you thinking about? And is that where you want to be? And um, and you can shift. You can make that change if you're if you're in a negative place. You mm -hmm. can make a shift to a more positive place by doing that quick coherence technique um, or whatever else that you use to be able to shift out of that. And then I would say, do what you can to uh, manage your environment. So that might mean, um, you know, it, it could mean just organizing your closet, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. or it could be providing better food for yourself, making sure you get exercise. Um, and it might be uh, diffusing essential oils or making or buying fresh flowers or whatever it is that can help your environment feel at ease. Um, and, and I would be really purposeful about that because our world is not at ease right now, but we can be. Mm -hmm. And so I think our spiritual practice, our physical practice, all of uh, our emotional practice, all of that needs to be, um, uh, we need not take a, not taken for granted. Yeah. Really be, um, mindful about those things because we, um, the way we show up in the world affects the world. Mm -hmm. It really, it affects the people around us and um, we're, we're all one. So we need to do what we can to be able to support each other and um, to be strong and mm -hmm. resilient. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's so true. And mm -hmm. I, we were talking a little bit before, but I really neglected self-care for a long time because, you know, I'm a homeschool mom with a bunch of kids and volunteering in a bunch of different positions. And I was always, you know, I put myself last all the time. Right, right. And I had that model of, you know, joy. You've probably heard this, Jesus first and then others and then yourself last. Mm -hmm. And I took that to heart. Like I was always last <laughs> until mm -hmm. I broke. And I'm like, I can't put myself last anymore. I've got to make self-care a priority. And then now, you know, as I was telling you, I'm kind of struggling with this autoimmune thing. 
some mysterious disorder that doesn't fit any of the particular little labels that they want to put on things. And um, I'm like, I think I need to step up my health, my self-care another level. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, just like we talked about, it's cumulative, you know, you build on things. Um, but I'm really excited to learn all these things too, even just for myself. But, you know, um, it's great that we have this forum where we can bring other people along with us and enter into this conversation and uh, help as many people as possible. And, and your message is so important because um, people need permission to do self-care, which it yeah. seems pretty crazy, but, but what a great model for our children mm -hmm. and for people around us. You know, it's, it's a constant struggle for me as well, because I, I just would push through mm -hmm. and, um, and that did not serve me well. So mm -hmm. knowing how to be able to care for myself has been a real learning experience and a constant balancing act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, now that we have had you know, ex experienced together kind of this rough time over the past year or so. Um, maybe it's more permissible now to just say, hey, you know, I need a mental health break or I need, I need to step back for a minute. I need some me time. I think people in general are more understanding of that now, yeah. maybe than they were this time last year. And um, so, you know, the, this past season has been rough in so many ways, but there are some good things that have come out of it. And maybe that's one of them that we can be more patient with ourselves and with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got to show grace. Definitely, yeah. We've got there's, to show grace to ourselves and, and then to others. There's an unlimited supply of grace through Jesus and God, but um, it seems so short that it's going around. We just don't, <laughs> you know, know, globally, there's just not a lot of grace going around, at least in the in the headlines and the news and things. And I, uh, for me, you were talking about um, controlling your environment. And one thing for me is, intentionally pulling out of news and social media at times. And um, that's really hard, you know, particularly right now with everything that's going on. It's like, uh, I want to see what's falling apart next. But um, <laughs> sometimes just going, you know, I, I, don't, I need to keep my focus on what I have control over. Just like you said, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to focus on what I can do in my world where I show up in the sphere of influence that I have. Yeah, I, I would say that we're not really judged by the storms that come at us, but we may be judged by the way we navigate the storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we that we can do. Yeah, definitely. And I another with, with the same metaphor, too, I think, you know, sometimes God will calm the storm for us. Obviously, that's always what we pray for. We just want the storm to end. But sometimes mm -hmm. he just calms us in the middle of the storm. Right. And lets the storm rage around us. So. Right. But the, well, it doesn't continue constantly, right? Yeah, the that's true. don't continue constantly. And, mm -hmm. and smooth waters all the time would be boring. Yeah. I was just reading this morning in my Bible in Acts, you know, about when Paul was on the ship and they got in the big storm. and They were headed to Rome, uh, but they got off track and they blew around for two weeks. They just blew at the mercy of the waves. But they eventually l landed in Sicily. So I'm like... Well, they generally kind of went the way that they meant to go eventually. I mean, they could have been blown wherever, but it's like even through that storm and that trial where they thought, oh my goodness, we're going to die. God still got them to where they were supposed to be going at the end. Yeah. Uh, but he taught them a lot about trusting him along the way. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was neat. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. I wish we could talk longer. You have so many interesting things to share with us and really a lot of wisdom to share on resilience. So if people want to hear more um, about you or connect with you, let us know how do we get in touch with you? Well, my website is ConnieMBaker.com, C 
C-O-N-N-I-E-M, as in mom, Baker, uh, .com. And then um, and you, if you want to have a conversation, we can set up a, a free um, opportunity to get together and talk. Um, and then the, the website for the faces is wongbakerfaces.org, W-O-N-G, bakerfaces.org. And that's, that's it. All right. And your book, again, is Stay On. Yeah. Uh, and if I can tell you, can I tell you the Stay On story real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Stay On is, is a strange title, right? But my daughter was learning to um, ride horses. And, and I am not a, a very good animal person, but she knows how much I love her because I became a barn mom. And in her, one of her first lessons, her trainer came out and said that she'd come off that day. And I didn't know what come off meant. And so I looked confused and said, what, what do you mean came off? And she said she fell off the horse. And I thought, well, that, that doesn't sound safe at all. So from then on, I told my daughter whenever she'd get on the horse, I said, stay on. Mm-hmm. And so she says that the only, there were only about three times that she came off. And those were the times that I forgot to tell her to stay on. So, <laughs> so she, now she is not riding horses anymore. She just got her PhD in tree ecophysiology. But as she was um, doing her research on ponderosa pines in the wilderness with her dog at the, in the night, um, she would always say, she'd call and say, mom, I need to stay on. Mm. And so when I wrote the book, my cousin who knew that story said she didn't like my title. And she said, uh, you know, Connie, what you're doing is really giving these people a stay on. Yeah. So I would say to all of us, stay on. Yeah, I love that. That is a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank I'm you. I'm going to remember this that. Time. This is oh, yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much. You're I really super, super woman. <laughs> well, no, I wish I was, but I'm just an ordinary woman with a great God that helps me through stuff. <laughs> Got that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have Thank a great you. week. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with host Elizabeth Myers. If you like the show and want to know more, check out elizabethmyers.me forward slash RLH podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, just fill out the form on that webpage so we can connect. Your honest review on iTunes is a tremendous help to sharing this message of hope with more hurting souls. Don't forget to join us next week when we talk about more hacks for a resilient life. Until next time, stand strong, hold on to hope, and love others like Jesus does.